As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey Blenders, it's Sean here to introduce you guys to a bonus episode of Real Blend, where we are joined by the co-directors of A24's new film, God's Creatures. Uh, this is Celia Davis and Anna Rose Holmer, who joined the show to discuss their difficult adult drama uh, that is in theaters currently as we speak, hopefully in a theater near you. Now we're going to have a full review uh, of this movie on the show on Friday. I wasn't able to check this one out ahead of time. Jake and Kevin handled the interview, uh, but I was able to listen to the full conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Uh, the two directors discuss their process, how they sort of handle being co-directors on the set. Uh, they get into a lot of the research that they had to put into uh, the the town in Ireland that was an inspiration for this story that they wanted to tell. Um, and then there's a an element of of the weather and, and water that is really um, integral to the storytelling. Uh, and they talk a bit at length about the complications that come with uh, shooting on water and how they overcame that. Uh, they are veterans of the industry, but this is their debut as uh, as filmmakers. They talk about a lot of the obstacles that they had to overcome uh, in order uh, to put that together, but then the team that rallied behind them. I think you guys are going to find it really, really fascinating as you prepare to go out and see God's creatures yourself. So uh, without further ado, this is uh, the interview with Celia Davis and Anna Rose Holmer on behalf of God's Creatures. <laughs> I guess maybe a stupid question, but I'm really curious about the concept of two directors. And I'm really curious as to how that works on set, how decisions are made, um, how direction is given to the actors and the crew. Could you guys explain, I guess, just the concept of how co-directing works on set? This is our jam. Um, <laughs> directing at a, as a team uh, for us is very natural. I mean, I we can only speak to how we work. So I'm sure that just like, you know, there's so many variations in style for individual directors. I'm sure it also varies uh, team to team for, for those sets. But for us, um, you know, our collaboration is almost a decade old. We've, we, this is our debut as a, as a directing team, but we've been collaborating in lots of different iterations for a really long time. And we've come to know each other really well, especially because we work as writers together. So it's like, um, first and foremost, we have this trust and love for each other and each other's instincts. And that's why we want to be standing side by side. Like if the person who I think has the best taste, the best judgment, the best ideas is Celia. That's why <laughs> we're, we're a team. So, um, I think that that's kind of the spirit in which we arrive on set, um, is that if you have an instinct, if you have an urge, uh, um, a creative itch 
you know, step forward and that the other is going to be there to support and uh, challenge and uh, facilitate in whatever way possible. Yeah. And then, you know, the foundation for us really starts in the, the script writing or the development of the script phase where we kind of talk through all the ideas we have, all the creative inspirations, kind of like what is the end goal? And like we keep that in mind. And then, you know, when we're on set, like we're communicating with our actors, like the same intentions, we're communicating with our crew, the same intentions. So even if there are moments where we have to separate, we're giving like essentially the same note, you know, mm. and so I think it starts with like that base of the, you know, script and the ideas that we're attempting to accomplish when we're in, in production. How you know, much, it, it, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin, Kevin I was just going to follow up. I'm curious as to just how much like getting on the same page before you show up on set together, because I'd imagine if you're in front of the cast and crew, you know, you, you two can't give two different directions at the same time. So is it a matter of really like before you guys go out there making sure, OK, this this is our focus of the day kind of thing? Yeah. And like, you know, within each scene, like there's always like a specific intention, um, you know, and like an idea we're trying to kind of get across. And so uh, we know what we're shooting for the day when we step onto set. And then we've already had those conversations before, sure. you know, you step in uh, on set with your all of your collaborators. We had rehearsal time like a few weeks of rehearsal with our actors and so that that space for us is very sacred because you're also communicating your intentions with your actors and so you know of course when you're on set uh you have to be flexible anything could change the day could change and so but our whole team is all kind of like heading toward that same beacon of light you know sure. and so yeah and i think you also it's like you try to set a tone you know because directing is sure you're making a ton of decisions but you're also leading in lots of like clear and really invisible ways so you know we do try to set a tone where asking a question or saying like wait let's hold a minute like isn't threatening you know mm -hmm. it's not it actually means we're doing good work and we're being very present tense and so we build that into our process so if there's a moment when we need to say like okay one second like we need to chat like that's not like uh emergency the director sure. having like a sidebar it's actually just you know it's like okay like before we move forward we need to check in with each other and that that's calm that's every day you know and so it's like you try to set this tone and that also invites other people to say like you know i have a question or this and it doesn't feel like alarming or out of the ordinary and you can set that very like comfortable confident pace um that that works for your process and that's something that we try to do too i love that you know i want to ask each of you because what i love about your filmmaking is that like you already have so much experience behind the camera in terms of like editing and cinematography camera operating um i was just wondering if each of you could speak on maybe a specific experience that you had in those fields that helped shape maybe the way you narratively wanted to direct this feature, um, because I would imagine you learned so many lessons in those aspects, but it was there one that was really important to each of you that kind of helped you in this in this setting. I think for me, just kind of as um, as an editor, you know, you're always thinking about story structure, pacing, um, mm. and also you're an observer, you know. And I like I I've done a lot of work in documentary, and so you're just kind of always observing people in the footage and. Uh, I think I take that with me on set mm. and think a lot about, yeah, like how are we capturing this image um, 
and what is like this specific moment, you know, in the whole, the whole of the film, um, you know, like, I think I've also developed the ability to kind of retain an entire film in my head because I yeah. like to edit when I'm not in front of the Avid or Final Cutter premiere, whatever platform it is. And so um, when we're on set, I'm like, okay, I know exactly where this beat lands. And again, as an editor, you know, that may change, but like being sure that we're capturing kind of like the essence of this scene. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think that's been a helpful tool for me to apply when we're, when we're working on set. That's gotta, it's gotta be interesting by the way, to think about that, because with the editing, I would imagine you probably are editing your scenes already in your mind as you're shooting them, which is fascinating in itself, but you're already, you're working on as a director in this case, but what about on the, on the camera operating and the cinematography yeah. angle of things? Was there something that kind of like you go, Oh, that was something that really helped me with this feature storytelling. Yeah, I came up like pretty traditionally in the camera department. I was a focus mm. puller for for a long time oh, before, wow. I, before I started operating. Um, and so I actually think that being a first AC, <laughs> mm. first and foremost, was like that was I draw from that learning bed so often because I had the best seat in the house. You know, I was yeah. by the camera um, and I got to witness so many conversations between DPs, directors, actors. That's that's where you are, you know, be, oh, I, you know, I came up, there was not, you know, I, I wasn't doing remote focus. I was pulling manually on the side of the camera. So, you know, that's where I was uh, with my whip. Um, and, uh, but one of the things that I think a lot about is psychologically for uh, actors, like where the camera is can, mm. can really change performance. And so sometimes you want to close up uh, for various reasons. And sometimes, um, I mean, there's so many ways to achieve a close up. You can physically be close to somebody, you know, to do that. You can be 100 feet away, you know. And so just like thinking about the end goal, but also the process and being really aware of what every single thing you put into the room, meaning like every person that's in there, <laughs> every tool, like that's affecting uh, performance as much as anything else. You know, there's sometimes when I was when I was first thing, I, you know, I was also there was no remote uh, mm. control for the for the camera, so sometimes I was the only person in the room with an actor. You know, it would be it would be mics planted, and I had to be in there to start and stop the camera and and pull. So you, it's like stripping down and and um, yeah, I think a lot about like how to protect this the process for your performers. Just a quick follow up on that, because our, our audience are huge filmmaking fans, and I'm actually genuinely curious about this because manual focus pulling sounds like an incredible, cool job. Like, I would love to, like, play with that. Like, could also, you give like us anxiety inducing. It feels like it'd be yeah. like cause you could be responsible for, like, not ruining, yeah. but like, if a, a, you know, an amazing take. Sorry, Kevin. OK, yeah. Can, no, no. Can you give us like a maybe like a play by play of how maybe like a rack focus would work or something like something yeah. that you would do? I, I just find that fascinating. Well, it's cool. When I started learning, you know, I started uh, a seeing in school, I, I was like a camera tech and I came into film through photography. So I was working in dark rooms and I was, you know, I was a photographer's assistant, like a 35 and medium format uh, photographer's assistant. So I, I had, there was a lot of overlap and, um, it's like, if you know how to fix it, that was kind of the mentality. It was like, <laughs> you can be here. And, um, yeah, that's how I started. I started a seeing on, you know, undergrad and grad student films and that's, and then kind of going from there. But at the time, you know, it's like when I was learning pulling focus, you don't have a monitor, you didn't have, 
you know, you were there. And so you're looking at old focus chart books uh, based on aperture and distance. And it's, um, you know, you're looking at your focal range. So you may have 12 inches of acceptable focus, or you may have four feet of acceptable focus. And the decision is about like, am I, you know, there's really amazing because you got to have conversations. And am I splitting the focus of both these actors are in the acceptable range, or am I drawing the focus, you know, just to one of them. And the best thing is that like that muscle, what you do is you watch and you have to learn and anticipate how people are going to move because, you know, and it's like, what is the tell? Is it an inhale before the step or, you know, and you just, you just narrow your entire focus. It's like this Zen, pure present tense vibe. And um, yeah, it's scary as, I don't know, can I swear on this, but it's yes, yes, you, yes, you absolutely can. There is fucking hell. And, you know, there were, there was, you know, I, 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 uh, I was a focus puller, you know, I was first AC on a, on a film and there were trick, um, pool shots. And, uh, it was one of those things where we were shooting on 16 and, um, they, they wanted to start tape, you know, they wanted to start going to, to film on the, on the first take because, uh, you know, there was all this complicated, uh, stunts with the with the pool with trick pool shots and and like it's gonna take her you know 30 takes to get it right or you know of course the first one I didn't know where the ball was going it was all these things you know and it's like the first one goes in and I was like it is I know it's not sharp I can I like trust me this way too (laughs) this that was not sharp you know (laughs) like to feel that responsibility and know what it's like for everyone on your set is coming with like those anxieties, that pressure wanting to do a good job. And so it's like on our set, like first and foremost, it's like recognizing everyone's there. They're humans. Like people make mistakes. It's okay. You know, like we're making a movie like, uh, and, and um, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I've no, always yeah. been curious about that. Jay, go ahead. I just got anxiety just hearing that, yeah, that story. It's amazing. Um, there's a, there's a really small detail in this film that I loved and it's what they're talking about uh, why the men don't learn how to swim. And they say that they don't learn how to swim because if someone falls in, they don't want to be inclined to go after that person. So what I thought was fascinating is that even before the plot of this film really kicks in, there's such a deep understanding of this very specific community and the culture. So I'm just sort of curious, how much homework did you have to do just on the world before you even began filming so that it would kind of ring true and feel more authentic when the, like the, the plot of the film starts kicking in? Yeah, um, we spent about two and a half years in development on the script with wow. our uh, screenwriter Shane Crowley and our producer Paula Cronin O'Reilly and they're both from uh, Cary in mm-hmm. Ireland which is essentially where this this uh, the town of this film is inspired by and so we during that process of development actually traveled to Ireland to kind of stay, th- stay with them but then also immerse ourselves in the world in the environment meet people there um, and get a try to get as much of a cultural understanding of this place and the people as we could um so yeah that took about like two and a half years for us yeah and it's it was you know that script development time was just like critical for for this movie and you know some of it was like what is going to be spoken out loud and what can we do visually what can we do just Mm. with audio in terms of we're talking about teaching our audience this world the shorthand the way that a death feels here you know like how commonplace uh, a drowning is like the way um you know grief is dealt with in this community is just as much kind of like teaching uh space as it is 
an event that happens at the beginning of our film. So um, we knew that we wanted to be uh, immersing our audience right from the beginning. And yeah, there was a lot about like, well, what will we see? Like, what are what are the what are the places where you're going to return to? What are the motifs where you're going to return to? Like, you know, the decision to begin just on a shot of water um, and hold on that. And, you know, it's like study this, pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be again and again part of the story that we're telling, like tune into this rhythm now. And, you know, every time we needed to draw our audience back to that, like we would return them to water. Love that. You know, I, I wanted to bring that up. I'm glad you brought up that first shot because I feel like water and wind are characters in this movie in, in, in a way. And I, I find it fascinating because like the, a lot of those elements are very unpredictable, I would imagine. Um, and I was just curious, like in terms of both of those, uh, you know, obviously the water and everything you have, the, the shots are incredibly real. But like in terms of wind and weather, uh, how how hard were those aspects in terms of production and Boats gotta be have to be incredibly hard to shoot. I remember Christopher Nolan talking about Dunkirk and how insanely hard it was to film those scenes on the water. You don't; it's just so unpredictable, and the water pushes you in different places. So, just talk about those elements, wind and water, and kind of how they factored into your production. Yeah, the water days that we were on the boats were the most challenging for sure. Mm. Um, also, like probably the worst weather we had of our entire shoot. <laughs> Um, which was good like for what we were (laughs) like thank you for this bad weather (laughs) there were a lot of days that were sunny and we're like wait we don't need this but yeah the water days were um very cold very windy uh and the forces that we were actually working against were the tides you know so um the story kind of relies on telling telling the story of the tide coming in um and so we had to shoot around the tides Um, And our AD spent about like our whole time of pre-production going to this oyster farm every single day and just really tracking like where it's at, you know, (laughs) calendar. Um, But then obviously there are things that are unpredictable. And so the water would never be at the height that we needed it it to be to kind of shoot these scenes, uh, especially that that climactic moment. And so our whole team, they would like move those trestles like back and forth, depending on like how high the water needed to be. And it was very time consuming and very strenuous. I think we all, like even our actors pitched in to move them. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, we had to kind of leave the shore. Uh, You have to go like a certain path because we were on an an actual working oyster farm. So we had to, um, the boats had to go this path around that farm um, to protect it and then go to where we were, where we had built our farm. And because of that, it would take like half an hour to get back to dry land. And so I don't think like anyone wanted to use the restroom because, (laughs) you know, it was just a a time suck. And so, uh, yeah, that just physically was very challenging. Um, Yeah. There are so many other stories, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing about shooting on water is, you know, your, your camera is also on water. So like Mm -hmm. there is no bait, there is no base. Like, uh, you know, we, we had a crane, but you know, crane on a boat, uh, so we have a camera boat um, and there are, you know, um, ways you can stabilize at the the head level of that crane, um, but you're still on what like everybody is on water. So you're you're watching a monitor, you're moving, you know, so there's mm. like just the actual like base level um, elements there. It, it was really challenging, um, but it was also very reward- rewarding, like the end of those days, like so spent so spent and um 
but then you, we get back on land and like someone's handing you like a mug of tea and like a slice of pizza. And <laughs> so you're like looking around, you're like, we couldn't have done this without every single person that like mm-hmm. we see, like it required everyone and all of everyone. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like after that, there was just this kind of like, like felt like a family, like from those mm-hmm. days. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was special. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I think what's what's fascinating, but also kind of terrifying and heartbreaking about this story is that while it's perfectly told in this community and in this culture, I feel like it's a story that could be told in just about every community on the planet and it would still fit. And I'm sort of curious if you could just talk about uh, just unfortunately how universal a story like this is and how it could be told in different aspects in different communities around the planet. Yeah. What makes this film culturally specific is not that it deals with sexual violence. Sexual Mm -hmm. violence is a universal problem um, that erodes communities like around the world and has been, you know, like part of what we were trying to do in the kind of tone of this film was, you know, like this problem isn't new. Um, This, you know, these are cycles that we have been going through and going through in this Mm -hmm. kind of like mythic, Greek tragedy element to it. it's like we we have been dealing with these very human problems mm-hmm. and dealing with them and dealing with them and dealing with them and so um we very much wanted it to feel like out of time in that way um and yes you're right what you know this 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 could happen uh this story could happen in lots of places and the things that we tried to you know it does specifically take place in the west of ireland and Mm -hmm. so therefore we must 
make it very specific to the culture of that place and and, and that community. And, you know, so in no, in no means is this exclusively uh, an Irish story, but sure. like for this to work, it had to be, you know, like that was kind of our philosophy. Like you have to get very specific. Sure. Film. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just like the, but themes carry over. Right. And especially here uh, we are a country of immigrants. And so thinking about um, even religion, right. Like as a theme, I think that that resonates in many places or kind of like small town community, working class people, um, tensions within families, words that are unsaid. I think a lot of us can relate to those things. Um, and so, or like family dynamics, right? So yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, themes that I think res will resonate with many people. Mm -hmm. You know, this is interesting. I was talking earlier about some of the unpredictable elements in terms of like water and the weather, but also uh, a baby is a really interesting thing in terms of filmmaking. And I, I, I've always and I've, I've talked to actors about this before and kind of how it's done on set. They'll bring in like twins and they'll switch them out in between process. But I mean, sometimes you can't control. Obviously, you can't control what they're going to do or how what noise they're going to make in terms of that. Like how like how does that set, set, a, set a certain term of like preciousness on set of like making sure is is it just one baby or were they twins like how, how did you figure that out there were three three to start yeah, not <laughs> really not well <laughs> actually two of them were cousins but they're not like triplets they just have <laughs> yeah and uh yeah it's challenging that i mean you just don't know you can't give babies direction uh <laughs> so you you're and you know aaron uh tony o'rourke or actress who plays aaron was just of incredible with the children and so it's really I think too about how the actor kind of interacts with the baby and so um, I think she just kind of instinctively knew how to calm baby Oscar when he was crying and um, but yeah you know you have limited hours to shoot to work with children uh, so mm -hmm. there's that like restriction to begin with and then uh, yeah if they're crying you can't unless you need that you can't really shoot it uh, and so I don't, but I don't think we had like too many days. Oh, we got baby. very, very lucky. And we did that a lot of times when we were breaking it down, it was like, Oscar is part of this scene, but what shots is he part of, you know? Yeah. And oh. it was like, you know, many times it's like, he's only there on set in those shots and being very, you know, it's like, you almost have to storyboard it like a, a stunt sequence because it's mm. baby and you, and so, um, so we had to get very specific about that. But then when we're doing, yeah, like Silly said, when we were doing the casting process, we had the adults cast, you know, so and so we brought uh, Emily, we brought Tony um, to meet the the young, uh, the babies that we were planning to work with and make mm -hmm. sure that their parents were comfortable and that like, you know, kind of that everybody felt comfortable with the, the situation. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, one cool, I, like oh, one cool egg is um i gave birth while we were in the edit um and so i have a baby and we got to sample my baby's laughter and so and use it what so, yeah. that's a wait your baby did adr unknowingly yeah, ADR, that was her first, her first gig so yeah that's, that, that is amazing wait uh, if you don't mind me asking i'm gonna follow up on this real fast yeah. because I, again this is I, I always think about this like with actors and actors but actors and dogs and actors and babies at Throughout a production, you're you're going to gain an emotional attachment to these people. Yeah. And so, like, do you like meet? I mean, you mentioned the parents like like 
are they I was I know they're there, but like, do you get emotionally attached to the baby? Like, do you miss the kid? I mean, I, I feel like I mean, again, you gave birth during the edit, as you mentioned. I, I just feel like that's got to be an interesting thing to to disconnect from at the end. I mean, for us, it was like the days that we, we were shooting with the dogs. We were like so giddy because yeah. you know, we love, we're like dog people. So it was like, yeah. we're like let's write more dog scenes. So the dogs just go <laughs> up and they're like all goofy and like everybody immediately was like so happy. And um, so, yeah, I was like, those were those. It was always sad when it was like, oh, we're wrapping, we're wrapping the dog. So, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you do form a family. I, I don't think it's exclusive to like cute things, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 like, you know, especially we were making this film during COVID. So it was like, we were the, our whole world, like more than any other movie making experience yeah. I've ever had was like our crew, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just like that, the, when we called like cut on the last day, like, it was, was like really heartbreaking. You yeah. know, we lived we lived in Ireland for six almost six months while yeah. we were making this. So that's what I was gonna say. Like the land, you know, for us, the land is a character in this film. And mm. I think that we fell deeply in love with uh and we spent so much time there. And because of COVID, you know, the this typically very tourist touristy area was kind of devoid of people. And so we just had the land to ourselves and really fell in love with it. And I think, yeah, I miss that deeply. So your baby might need top billing now on that poster. Might, might have to, might. <laughs> you got special thanks. So yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I, I have to admit, I, I rarely get excited over like a movie studio. I think the last time I would like look forward to a studio releasing movies was probably Pixar. But I get really excited whenever I see A24 putting a new movie out. Whenever I see their logo pop up before a trailer, I kind of perk up a little bit. And they seem to be a very filmmaker friendly studio, very filmmaker uh, driven. I'm sort of curious, what are your perceptions of that studio in particular and the kind of work that they're putting out in the relationship they seem to have with really great filmmakers, obviously? Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here today because because of A24, you know, so it's like we're incredibly grateful. And we had a unique experience with them because um you know, we we had developed the the film with Screen Ireland and BBC Films. Um, and so we had, you know, we were looking for that other partner and, you know, those film funding bodies are also public film funded bodies. And there's so much uh, the spirit of like funding art, you know, like funding, sure. it's funding film, but it's funding art like was really present. And so we needed a partner that matched that that saw and like you know allowed our process to be like front and center and um you know i'm not saying that in like a selfish way i just think that like that's that was what was in motion and so we needed a partner that was going to like come with that energy and be like you said like filmmaker forward mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean we're also like film fans and film geeks so it's like oh yeah to like be part of their repertoire you know is to say to say it's meaningful is like not enough you know it's like yeah that's really cool for us yeah that studio means quality every time you say i see that logo i'm like oh this is gonna be awesome um i I was always curious about this like every time i watch a movie i find it interesting where the title card pops up um sometimes it could be five minutes in it could be 12 minutes and i've seen it 30 minutes in um i think yours is about five and a half minutes and i remember writing it down and i was like oh that's cool i wonder so like in in, as filmmakers narratively what does that mean to you to drop it there 
Like, is it a divide? Are you breaking something up? I mean, thematically, I just wonder, like, how you make the choice because it's all it's written beautifully. It's like, a you know, the, the title card's great. But I just wonder, like, what the pro- what the thought process is on that, like from a narrative perspective, because it is a break. It does. It, you do notice it right as a film, as an audience member. I just wonder, like, what you your intentions would. Yeah, I mean, I think we think of it as kind of like a break, a breath, right? Like, okay, mm. or like a new new chapter starts here. Um, it's funny because I think while we were still editing, we we saw Drive My Car and we're like, oh, yes, well, you push it that far. <laughs> Wasn't that like 30 minutes or like 20 yeah, minutes? In? Yeah, yes. It's insane. it's insane. But like that's, you know, and I think that's really cool because it, it is, it's like, okay, this was one film you watched and now here's the next one. And I, in the edit for this film, you know, we got to a point where, you know, you were talking about it, the opening images really kind of sum up this, this place. And, and so, you know, and we shot a lot of that first part of the film, like in a tableau style, and we were talking about it being kind of this picture book, you know, you're flipping through the pages of these people's lives, and then you get to this kind of dramatic punctuation. And then now we're going into the film, the rest of the film. And so, yeah, in the end, I think that the title served as yeah, just kind of a break, a pause, a breath. Uh, and now we're kind of moving into this new story. Yeah. I was going to say, cool. kind of like you said, the dramatic punctuation, because I would say like, even though the time is very different, where we put the card is the same as drive my car. It's just that like, in terms of that <laughs> dramatic punctuation, it's just that yeah. that is a much longer time until mm-hmm. that break happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we also worked with this amazing uh, designer, Teddy Blanks, on the the custom font for it. And Celia and I are very much like emotional font people. Yes, uh, so- I love the font. <laughs> I, I was like, yes, that font looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, it's, it's just like to be able to storytell at that level, it is very, very fun, um, you know, that everything can be considered. And um, yeah, it's like really special for us. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, this, this is the kind of movie that in the way the best movies do is I think really going to yield uh, really deep conversations with its audience when it's done. Like I could see people like walking out and like going and having a drink and just sitting down and talking about so many of the issues that this movie brings up. Um, but I'm curious if those conversations come up on set while you're in the middle of filming like do actors and crew get into debates and conversations about the subject matter while you're actually filming like do those sort of conversations happen while you're making the movie i mean i wouldn't i yes but not not in the way you just said like Mm -hmm. actually it was like inviting everybody into the film i feel like is when a lot of those conversations happened Mm -hmm. um because i think it's as much as everyone saying like okay but how are we gonna how are these filmmakers going to deal with the sensitivities of these questions? And, Mm. you know, like, I think it was like for us important too to have, have those conversations. So I feel like as people were kind of like joining our team was more when those like deeper, longer, you know, it was like a, in a way, a safer space, it would be one-on-one or, you know, kind of like those early conversations because they are also about like, how do you tell this story as a production designer isn't in like, how do you make sure that like we are, you know, the end of the film, like Sarah's house, like looks completely different than the Mm -hmm. interiors that we have seen. So like, if we're going to tell a story about like uh, switching cinematic perspectives and like offering hope and offering possibility in a blank slate, like that is a decision 
that it, you know, is going to be reflected in the production design in a very different way. So we needed to be on the same page about like thematically, what are we doing? What are questions? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Type of stuff. But I would say for like, maybe not debate, but de- debates didn't happen on set necessarily, but I think like new discoveries would happen, especially oh, for the actors, right? Like within a scene, even though we'd rehearse, there'd be like a way that someone would say something and and then it would make someone else like, realize oh actually like that intention or what that actually pulled out of me is kind of different now and like let's go with that thought and I always thought that was exciting especially in kind of like our like long oneers you know where it's just like like they both actors I think you know there's a scene with Ashley and and Paul where they're talking at the bar and that's like we're shooting through a mirror and it's um you know just a oneer for a few minutes and and they're just kind of organically having this conversation and 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 feeling off of each other's kind of emotional responses in that moment. And, and then it kind of something like turns, right. And then they're like, okay, actually let's try this. And I don't know. So I think there's a lot of like beautiful discoveries that happen when, you know, you're in the moment filming a scene. I know Jake, you're going to wrap us up. I just want to give a shout out to Chase Irvin, by the way, who did amazing work on this. And also is we, we have Andrew Dominic on oh, next week for, and he shot blonde, which is yeah. incredible as well. So great, amazing DP. So Jake, go ahead and wrap no, us no, up. No, uh, we're unfortunately we are out of time. Um, but seriously, ladies, thank you so much for joining us on Roblend. I would really love this conversation and we want to make sure everyone gets out and goes to see uh, God's creature. So seriously, thank you for, for taking the time to chat with us. Oh, we thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you so much to Celia and Anna Rose for coming by the show. Again, if you guys want to hear uh, more about our thoughts on God's Creatures, we're going to review it in full on Friday's full episode. Uh, And on that show, we're also going to have David Bruckner, who is the director behind the new Hellraiser film that's coming to Hulu. And you're going to want to hear uh, his thoughts about sort of bringing a franchise back to the mainstream uh, and the challenges of bringing something that has a big fan base Uh, back to audiences as opposed to maybe something original like the Nighthouse that he did earlier. Really smart filmmaker uh, and a a very, very fun conversation, especially if you love Hellraiser. This dude really knows his stuff with regards to that. So so to make sure you don't miss out on anything that Roblend is posting, hit subscribe, turn on your notifications, and we'll meet you back here soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.